in the annals of natural disasters, there is one that stands alone for its lasting resonance. Many who were displaced never returned. Whole communities were bulldozed. It would partially define, albeit negatively, the presidency of George W. Bush, and it would open a wide, gaping wound in America, exposing extreme inequality. Hi, I'm Chris May, writer, producer, and host of This Day in Weather History, now in its second year from the Weather Network in Canada. But was it just the hurricane itself that caused all this? This Day in Weather History. The effects of Hurricane Katrina in August of 2005 were catastrophic and widespread. It was one of the deadliest natural disasters in U.S. history, leaving at least 1,836 people dead and a further 135 missing. But that is not where this story ends. It's only where it begins. The storm itself was large and had an effect on several different areas of North America, but nowhere was it felt worse by any stretch than in the Gulf State of Louisiana. Hurricane Katrina made landfall at 6.45 a.m. local time, August 29th, 2005 as a Category 3 hurricane with sustained winds of 127 miles per hour, that's over 200 kilometers per hour, and a 22-foot or 6.7-meter storm surge. The actual eye of the storm passed only 27 miles or 43.5 kilometers east of downtown New Orleans at 8.30 in the morning. New Orleans Mayor Ray Nagin briefed on the hurricane's movement was taken by surprise, like everyone else was, with the sudden redirection that this storm took. He did not order a mandatory evacuation of the city until the day before landfall. By the evening of August 28, approximately one million people had fled the city and its surrounding suburbs, leaving behind about 100,000 people who decided to remain with their homes. While another estimated 10,000 people took shelter at the Louisiana Superdome Stadium. The problem with the Superdome was that it had been grossly underestimated how necessary it would be. It was prepared to accommodate only 800, while eventually 30,000 would seek refuge in the home of the Saints, before eventually being evacuated to FEMA camps. In a staggering and sickening reality, by August 31st, 80% of the city of New Orleans was flooded with some parts of the city under 20 feet or six meters of water. But was this all to be pinned on Katrina alone? The answer is not exactly. Although it did bring the storm surge and rain and wind, it was ultimately the more than 50 breaches in the region's critical levee system that proved to be the actual knockout punch. When you live in a city that is situated in a basin that is below sea level, the levee walls form what is something like a bowl. The bowl is empty and dry, and the world around it is all water. Even a chip out of the side of that bowl, and it fills up with water. There were 50 such breaks in this figurative bowl. And of the 50, it took just five that resulted in the massive flooding, destruction, and death toll in New Orleans. The 17th Street Canal levee repair was completed by September 5th of 2005, and subsequently, the three canals were repaired all the way to Lake Pontchartrain. 
The Army Corps of Engineers added floodgates to the three canals for future release ports to assist in pressure relief in future events. In the days that followed and while repairs were underway, many evacuees were trapped in flooded houses and rooftops waiting to be rescued. And those rescues came by way of boat and helicopter as the roads were several feet underwater. The Superdome itself sustained significant damage, compromising the safety of those who were holed up in there. You see, what happened in the extreme wind was that much of the dome's waterproof membrane had essentially been peeled off. On August 30th, Louisiana Governor Kathleen Blanco ordered the complete evacuation of the remaining people still in the stadium. And that was just the city of New Orleans. This day in weather history. Hey, do you like the podcast? We'd love to hear from you. If you have an idea, go right now to wherever you're listening to me and rate us, if you would, please. It's on a five-star system, and we would love as many stars as you can afford. So rate us, but then also review us. This way, we can always stay on top of how you'd like to see the show evolve. Then remember to subscribe to this podcast. Click the subscribe or follow button right there on the very same podcast homepage you're listening on. You'll be immediately reminded that the next day is ready to listen to, and you also have access to every episode in the archives. It dates back to June 1st of 2020, so there is a lot that we got to get caught up on on this day in weather history. Tomorrow is August 30th. Stuart Bluford Jr. became the first African-American to travel in space. Now, obviously, weather had to play a role in that happening when you consider the launch and return, but this is a bigger story than that. And I want to bring this story back right here tomorrow, this day in weather history, with me, your host, Chris May.